following program is brought to you in living color on NBC. Hey, where y'all at? It is a thrill. I love this show. You're telling me a big fat lot. I was hoping for funny crazy. I will get on stage on Broadway and I will reenact the rantings of Charlie Sheen one day. Think you can replace me with some other guy? Go ahead. It won't be the same. Tis mightiest in the mightiest. Do not bring Shakespeare into this. You're so smart. Oh, really? Well, so are you. And yes, the rumors are true. They smoke, they drink, they use bad language in mixed company. They're extremely rich and they can flash more bling than most posses in this room. I know exactly who that is. That's the mother that loses every goddamn game. That's Kirk Cousins. <laughs> Get rid of him. Wow. Bros, come on. I love you, bros. Does everybody have to be crazy today? Now get me, Savior! Side of the Potomac. Took a few days off at the end of last week. Had to go down to Chapel Hill for UNC homecoming. Watched the Tar Heels beat previously unbeaten Wake Forest. Two good quarterbacks, too. And Sam Howell and Sam Hartman in that one. Maybe the Washington football team. Well, I know they had scouts there. Definitely taking a long look at both of them. Now, we're going to get into Washington's bye week. In just a few minutes, as a matter of fact, we got a real treat for you today, boys and girls, because coming up in a few minutes, Mark Bullock is going to join us. Washington football analyst from London, an Englishman who not only follows the Washington football team, but is absolutely fascinated by and will give you some of the best tape analysis on the Washington football team that you will ever hear. So those of you I know who follow Washington football hardcore, I know are big fans of Mark's work, and Mark has generously agreed to join us here in just a few minutes. But before that, we got to drop the puck, talk some hockey. It is game night for the Washington Capitals. Buffalo Sabres come to town, minus, of course, Jack Eichel. Not that he was playing, but... Now that that trade to Las Vegas is official, at least that uh, strange and sad saga for the Sabres has come to an end. Uh, Rather unusual position for the Caps here, even early in the season, because things, um, well, things things are a little bit dicey right now, aren't they? The Caps find themselves in a rather unusual position. They're in eighth place right now in the Eastern Conference. Just barely hanging on to that second wild card spot. Now, of course, that really doesn't mean anything right now. There's barely an eighth of a season gone, and there is a lot of hockey left to play. Nevertheless, pretty far behind the Carolina Hurricanes, who are in first place in the Metro right now. Alex Ovechkin and Evgeny Kuznetsov are doing their part. They lead the team uh, with 18 and 13 points, respectively. Ovi has 10 goals in 11 games, but... If you want to point to the problem here in um, uh, this uh, three-game losing streak, it's that after those two, there is a big old drop-off. TJ Oshie, who, as we said, is hurt now, um, is third on the team in goals. Nobody besides Oshie, who, again, not playing, um, has more than two. So what... You're going to need to see, and what is important now is secondary scoring. Uh, The bottom of the roster, 
has to start producing, and it has to start producing quickly. Especially now, I, I neglected to mention Anthony Mantha, uh, who had shoulder surgery, is uh, now out for an extended period of time. And he was counted on to be a big part of the offense this year. So it's not just guys like Connor Sheary and Lars Zeller and Daniel Sprong that, and Nick Dowd that, and Carl Hagelin that need to produce, but it's also kids uh, like Alexi Protus and Brett Leeson and, uh, you know, uh, Connor McMichael and Hendricks Lapierre. And, you know, what the Caps wanted to do was get a lot of those young guys another year of seasoning in the minors. Uh, In LaPierre's case, another year at least in juniors. But thanks to injuries, it doesn't look like that's going to happen. I am most most encouraged so far by McMichael. I mean, I don't have any real concerns about any of the guys as of yet. But of all of them, McMichael's the one that's pulling some major minutes. Averaging uh, almost 11 and a half a game, whereas, uh, you know, LaPierre, it's it's more like nine and a half. Uh, but those guys are going to have to start scoring and they're going to have to grow up in a hurry uh, or else this, you know, it may not be a given that this team makes the playoffs this year. And that's something we have not been able to say about the Caps for a long time. But again, we're really getting out ahead of our skis on that one because, There is a huge amount of hockey to be played this year. Again, we're barely an eighth of the way through the season. Let's go on out to practice. Cap skated this morning. Uh, Didn't talk this morning, but we did get to uh, talk to Garnet Hathaway yesterday. And we asked Hathaway uh, about the injuries, uh, about the recent three-game slide, and what it's going to take to kind of reverse this trend starting tonight, Monday night, against the Sabres? Uh, I mean, we have that familiarity. We have that, that chemistry still. Uh, you know, we watched some clips from last night. I think that wasn't our best game. Um, we know that, and, and it's behind us. Um, we can't go into tomorrow's game like we did last night. But I think before that, I thought we played games that we were happy with. Um, and so it's not it's not all bad. Uh, but there's definitely clips from last night that we know we can't repeat. Yeah, uh, I think that's just... That's a hockey team in a full 82-game season, right? Things are going to change. Um, you know, it's unfortunate those guys are out. You know, we got a lot of guys out who, who play a huge part in our team, and now we miss. Um, but we can't, you know. The other teams in the league don't care. Um, they're going to play, and they're going to try and fight for two points, regardless of who they're playing against. So that's how we have to go and do it as well. Uh, I think we have we got a lot of depth. We've got a tight-knit group, and um, we just have to be ready when we, when we play. I mean, we're going to... I think up and down our lineup, we're going to have to store goals um, to win games. So, you know, we, we have a lot of guys who are missing right now who, who help us with those big points, those big goals. So to win games, everyone's going to have to contribute. Yep. I think he hit the nail right on the head there. Everybody has got to contribute on this one. Don't forget, uh, tune in to the Hockey Podcast Network's uh, YouTube channel. Uh, right after the game because we'll have our five takeaways there and uh, we'll, you know, have post game for you tomorrow right here on, um, on the mega on the hockey podcast network uh, podcast site. Now, when we return, Mark Bullock, formerly of the athletic in the Washington post, and now the CEO of Mark Bullock's film room, as we talk a little football right here on the Bob Matthews podcast, only on the hockey 
Podcast Network. Well, the NHL season is underway, and DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL, has an unbelievable offer to celebrate the greatest sport on ice. New customers can bet just $1 on any NHL game and win $100 in free bets if either team scores a goal. Doesn't matter if it's a one-timer, a clapper, a daft deflection, however they light the lamp, you win. And if Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, DraftKings isn't going to leave you empty-handed. Everybody can play for huge cash prizes all season long with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Sports Contests. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with just their first deposit. So here's what you got to do. Go download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use the promo code THPN. Throw $1 on any NHL game and win 100 in free bets if either team scores a goal. This week, one puck in the net nets you a big win with the promo code THPN at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit, $1 wager required. One per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network. Your home for hockey talk covering every team in the NHL. New episodes every Monday. Download at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from. All right, welcome back, boys and girls. It is our pleasure now to welcome in Mark Bullock of Mark Bullock's Film Room. He is coming to us from London, where he lives. Yes, an Englishman that is not just a huge football fan, but also a huge Washington football team fan, and not only that, uh, but is one of the best video uh, tape analysts that you will uh, run into out there. Uh, we're going to give you the address for Mark's uh, website so you can go and subscribe and get your all-22 coaches tape breakdown every single week. So with that, we welcome in Mark. Mark, thank you for joining us, and let us get right to it. Mark, let's kind of look at things from the weeds because from 35,000 feet, it's, it's pretty depressing. Uh, spoiler alert, and uh, for everybody listening, this is about the fourth time because of an unsteady internet connection. I've had to ask Mark this question, so hopefully he'll be able to answer it. <laughs> when you look at this offense on tape, it seems to me like receivers are getting open, running backs obviously are not a problem, and there are some fairly at least serviceable offensive lineman. Is this offense maybe a quarterback away from being, if not great, at least decent or good enough? Yeah, I don't think that's a, a huge leap to say. I, I think um, a, a good quarterback would, would significantly bump the offense to, to being a good contributor. Um, there, there's been receivers running open, so as you said, the, the, the backs obviously picking up some good yardage. They've had some good production out of tight ends. Ricky Seals-Jones has stepped up with, with Logan Thomas going down. And, and obviously Logan Thomas had a, a pretty good start to the year before he got injured. So um, I think they've got a pretty good core of, of weapons. Um, and the offensive line has been one of the most pleasant surprises for me because they, they've been solid until like maybe the last week when they, they got really banged up. Um, so that's been a pleasant surprise. So it, do, it does kind of feel like a good quarterback could take this offense to being a very competitive offense. Uh, and if you could find a great quarterback, then that could make the entire team competitive. Um, 
but yeah, I certainly think a quarterback, um, the, the offense has a lot more pieces in place than I, I thought they would going into the season. And, and uh, a quarterback kind of has a lot of things to work with if, if they uh, land in Washington this offseason. Uh, one of the pieces that they haven't really had this year has been Curtis Samuel, and hopefully he comes back after the bye week. Uh, I know you looked at him on tape in the offseason. What do you think Samuel, if he's healthy, could potentially bring to this offense? Yeah, uh, he, he brings a, an explosive playmaking ability. Um, he, he's a guy that Scott Turner and Ron Rivera are obviously very familiar with, um, and, and Turner loved to move him around all over the place. Between him and McCaffrey, um, he, he liked to move those guys around, would have one lineup at receiver and one in the backfield, and then just shift and, and have those guys swap spots and um, really mess with the how the defense tries to align and, and defend those players. And, and and that really gives the quarterback um, quite the edge uh, pre-snap uh, kind of understanding, okay, well, they've got this guy following Samuel and this guy following McCaffrey. Or for Washington, it might be this guy's following Samuel into the backfield and someone's following Gibbs into the, to the slot or something like that. Um, and he knows, okay, well, I've got man coverage here. What are my matchups? I like this one and I'll, I'll go to Samuel or I'll go to whoever. Um, and so it gives the quarterback a lot of pre-snap information. Um, so a player like Samuel is very helpful, not just because of his ability with the ball in his hands. He, he's obviously a very sharp um, route runner on underneath routes. He's very quick in and out breaks, and he's very elusive with the ball in his hands. But um, And obviously that that speed is, is second to none. But um, what scott turner is able to do with him in the offense and move him around and with the jet sweep fakes and all that kind of thing that all makes things a lot easier on the quarterback by giving him lots of pre-snap information as well so um certainly not having curtis samuel has been a a miss so far um and it's a shame that he hasn't got his season really started but um it, it would add a lot to the offense when he when he does eventually see the field Speaking of the quarterback, obviously all the talk is on Taylor Heineke. One of the things that I heard Brian Mitchell uh, say on 106.7 um, really er earlier in the season that I found interesting, he said, and this was after Heineke had had a, a couple of, of decent games, is he was worried that when, about, when the rest of the league gets about four games on tape, they're going to start to figure him out. Um, what have you seen from Heineke in the last few weeks that, you know, it has been a problem? Yeah, I'm not sure if there is like a, a defined pattern of every team is doing the exact same thing to him. Um, I, I think it's a case of he is having a lot of the same issues uh, in terms of the, the biggest issues I, I have with Heineke right now is um, his accuracy with ball placement um, and his throws are, are, are pretty constantly uh, behind targets and high over their heads. And it's making receivers have to adjust uh, pretty significantly and stop their momentum. And so it's, it's killing their ability to get additional yards after the catch. And it's also exposing them to hits at times. So um, that for me is his number one issue. Um, he's maybe sometimes a little uh, too locked into what his pre-snap reads tell him. Um, and Scott Turner does a lot with the formations and motions and stuff to try to give him as much information pre-snap as possible. Um, but he sometimes leans on that a little bit too much. He sometimes will get a motion or a shift and be like, okay, I, I know I can go to McLaurin here and 
locks in on McLaurin and then suddenly McLaurin's doubled and he doesn't exactly, he kind of sticks on it too long and doesn't know where to go and that kind of thing. Um, so you can get into trouble with that a little bit. Um, so there are teams that are trying to show things pre-snap and, and change it post-snap. Um, mm. But uh, I think he's, he, he's not been too bad at, at working the offense, uh, progressing through his reads in general. Um, he's missed a few deep shots to, to McLaurin, but um, overall, the, for me, the biggest issue is um, his, his accuracy and specifically his ball placement with throwing high and behind receivers and, and either missing them altogether or causing them to make significant adjustments to, to just catch the ball. And, and I mean, I, that's so key, the accuracy, because, uh, you know, we all understand he doesn't have the biggest arm in the world, but, yeah. you know, n- nobody ever said that Tom Brady had a howitzer for an arm either. But when you watch Brady on film, you know, every throw, it seems like hits the receiver right in stride or goes exactly where it's supposed to be. And yep. because he's so accurate, that makes up for the lack of arm strength, right? Exactly. And you, and you have to the arm strength is an overrated trait in that everyone wants a quarterback with the arm to sling it 70 yards down the field or drive a throw in there into a very tight window. You don't need that kind of arm to be a successful quarterback. You just need to be able to make up for it. And and you can, if you can anticipate throwing windows opening and, and anticipate receivers breaking and, uh, have good accuracy to hit those throwing windows as they open, um, then you can make up for the arm strength, but the accuracy hasn't been there. The anticipation hasn't always been there. And what that leads to is him missing the throwing windows and then, you know, giving defenders a chance to make a play on the ball. Um, and that's where the arm strength issue becomes an issue because he's not able to make up for uh, the the throwing window closing quicker um, by driving it in quicker. It's he's not placing the ball in the right spot and then defenders are able to, to make adjustments and, and make plays the ball. Over on the defensive side, um, what have you seen anything in the last couple of weeks that they seem to be doing differently up front that they weren't doing in the first, say four or five weeks of the season? Because again, that's the other big talking point is, has the defense started to find itself or is it just a case of, of playing quarterbacks that weren't as good as, as the ones the first month, month and a half of the season? Yeah, I, I think um, the part of it is the, the game plan for, for Washington for the first few weeks of the season was um, max protection from offenses, lots of quick game, lots of play action. It was all about slowing down that front four and trying to get that front four wondering if it's a runner if it's a pass and, and thinking rather than just reacting and going and it, it works and then they would keep in tight ends and running backs to chip sweat and and young on the edge and uh, that, that would let them double team both guys inside and and so they were doing a lot to stop those guys but also the 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 defense kind of almost took a, a an arrogant way about it of we've got these four first round picks on the defensive line. We're just going to let them rush how they want to. And, and we'll trust that our four will beat their blockers and, and win the matchups. And, and it doesn't always work like that. In recent weeks, they've been a lot more cohesive. They've been running a lot more stunts and games. And, and you've seen the production has, has jumped up as 
the the team plays together rather than four individuals just rushing in whatever lane they want to rush in they're now working as teams where to the two uh, the tackle on the end on one side will stun and the tackle on the end on the other side will stun and it will mess with the protection schemes and it will create easy rushes for one of the two guys on the stunt so that has been a big change in recent weeks in that they, they've been a lot more cohesive and, and that has really helped you know pick up the the production from that from that unit how much of a difference has it made do you think not having william jackson in there the last two weeks i mean <laughs> between that and, and, and between that and landon collins i mean moving landon collins into the box seemed like a really good he played really well last week and I hate to say it, but William Jackson um, might be one of the best press corners in the league. But if they're going to play zone, is it is it the fact that that's just not his game? Uh, well, I don't think it's that zone is not necessarily his game. I, I think what you could see or what I saw certainly with Jackson, and I, I wrote a piece on this earlier in the season, was that he seems to not have quite picked up the defense yet. And there... They're, was a lot of snaps where he was kind of looking to his safeties and to his linebackers and holding his hands up like, what's the call? I don't know what the call is. What am I doing here? And um, and that's a communication issue where he's not receiving the call. And, and that could be on a number of players um, or it could be on him for not, you know, making sure he's hearing the call um, or, or getting the signals or whatever. But, but even times where he's not doing that, he he doesn't seem to be confident in, exactly what his assignment is and, and the techniques that they're asking him to use and and you know it, the, there's playing man coverage was obviously his strength but the Washington doesn't just play straight man coverage they'll play zone coverages as you said they'll play match coverages where the corners have to uh, read the releases of multiple receivers to match their coverage to a specific route and and that kind of thing seems to have Jackson kind of standing and thinking rather than just playing naturally and um, using his his ability to to mirror receivers and jam receivers at the line. So I think what what we've really seen from him is that he's struggling to make the adjustment to the new system and perhaps it's new terminology and new techniques that he's not picking up uh, and perhaps Washington haven't done a great job of of coaching it, but. Um, there, there is some kind of disconnect there between him and, and everyone else. And there's been quite a significant change with him out of the lineup. Yeah. And that, that, that is the truth. Well, Danny Johnson was here last year, so he, he knew that he would, he would know the defensive system better. Um, um, yeah. Uh, so uh, now I'm, I'm, if I'm going to put you on the spot on this one, uh, and if you haven't watched any tape on, on this person, Please feel free to say so, uh, but I'm going down to Chapel Hill for homecoming this weekend for uh, North Carolina Wake Forest. I'm going to watch Sam Howell. Uh, I've watched him a bunch the last couple of years. Have you watched a lot of tape on him? And, you know, what do you think about the possibility of him being Washington's uh, first round draft pick next year if they don't go after a veteran? Uh, he's not someone I've watched this year yet. Uh, I don't get being in England. We don't get a lot of college football. Um, I, right. I tend to have to kind of scour through <laughs> things at the end of the year to try to get some footage um, at the end of the season. But um, I, I did get to see him a bit last year when I was studying Diami Brown um, after Washington drafted him. So uh, I, I had a few impressions of him and he, he seems to have a really nice deep ball. Um, but the offense itself doesn't seem 
the most complex. It's a lot of RPOs and uh, quick game stuff, which he seemed pretty effective at. He seemed pretty good at. Um, he seemed like he had a good little bit of mobility about him, but um, it, I didn't particularly see him work through a full field progression or um, go through a, a number of NFL concepts. It, it was a lot of RPOs and then just deep shots down the field, which works in college and and, and what have you, but uh, he would need to have more than that in the NFL. Uh, yeah. But that's not to say that hasn't happened this year. I, I, as I say, I haven't had the chance to watch him yet this year. I think they're four and three or four and four, so it probably hasn't. <laughs> um, <laughs> so that that leads me to another question, and, and then I'm going to wrap this up because I don't want to take all of your uh, evening up. But um, so in principle, when when looking at quarterbacks in college, because the games are so different from college and the pros. I mean, what type of a quarterback or what type of a situation do you, you know, do you look at with a quarterback that can say, okay, yeah, it's going to be less of a jump for him to the NFL than it would be for somebody else, if that makes sense. Yeah. It's all about how uh, each individual team will, will adapt their offense to a player um, because there are some quarterbacks that, will need a very specific system around them. Uh, and if they get that system, they'll be great. And if they don't, then they'll be a bust. Um, and the, But there's some quarterbacks like a, an Andrew Luck or uh, a Trevor Lawrence that, you know, kind of transcend systems and they can fit in any system and, and make it great. Um, but I, I think of a guy like Lamar Jackson or, or Kyler Murray that they came in and, you know, they have a unique uh, mobility to add to their game uh, and the Ravens really embraced Lamar Jackson's mobility. Whereas other teams might've said, well, we're going to make you into a, a pocket passing quarterback that can run when you need to. But the Ravens said, no, you, your running ability can really add to our offense and, and we can, we can build our offense around that. And they, they really committed to the run game with him. Um, and same with, with the Cardinals, they, they committed to Kyler Murray's ability to, um, scramble around and make plays off script and throw the deep ball and they they really committed to that so when I'm looking at college quarterbacks I'm looking at who fits the kind of system that Washington runs or whoever runs and what Washington can do that it do does Washington do a lot of the concepts that the, the quarterback is familiar with in college and do a lot of that does does some of the stuff that he does translate to what Washington can do or can Washington pick up that kind of concepts or whatever. Um, so yeah, I, I look for kind of the fit within, I, I don't look for necessarily like a, a, a trait, like an arm strength or the, the mobility or accuracy. Obviously all of that is important to a degree, but I, I kind of look for fit in terms of, the concepts that they're running does that match with what Washington likes to do uh, and from a philosophy standpoint of what what is Washington's offense and and what what does that quarterback excel at in college I, that's I find that fascinating I really do so last question um and again so you haven't seen too many of the guys that'll be coming out this year but just yeah. as an example were there any guys in the draft last year that seemed to be a particularly good fit for that West Coast concept that Scott Turner runs? Uh, so, the, the, yes, um, I, I, I thought that 
to a degree, uh, a Justin Fields would have fit, um, but I, I thought he was going to take some some time because he would need. I, I could see that there was issues with him picking up blitzes and protections and, and mm -hmm. getting that all set. Um, so that would have taken some time. But from what he does schematically, um, they they use a lot of the mesh concepts at a higher state and the sail concepts at a higher state that that Scott Turner likes to run. So. Um, I, I could see him have, have fitting um, Trey Lance as well. I could have seen fitting, um, but again, I'm not sure he necessarily was ready to start right away. Uh, Mac Jones probably could have fit to a degree, but um, I, I, I wasn't a huge fan of Mac Jones because I, I, I feel like he's not someone that can really go off script all that well. And this offense kind of, gives the quarterback a, a freedom to go off script a little bit. And, and Mac Jones kind of plays very much to the script. Um, and so uh, he might fit better elsewhere, like, like the Patriots, where, where they're yeah. very much about staying on script and moving the chains, uh, taking the dink and dunk stuff. So um, it, I, I thought there was a, a few that did fit, not necessarily a, a perfect fit, unless you're, you're looking at, Trevor Lawrence, who would work in any system, but <laughs> right. um, I, I thought there was a few that, that Washington certainly could have adapted to um, and and made it, made something work. Yeah. Well, I tell you what, this offseason, uh, everybody needs to stay glued to um, to your website in order to hear the scouting reports on the quarterbacks, and we'll all have a big <laughs> leg up when it comes to the draft. All right, Mark. Before we get out of here, um, and again, boys and girls, you have got to go and get a subscription to this website. It is worth the money. Mark, if people want to sign up and get this, uh, this great analysis delivered to their inboxes, how do they do it? Yeah, so uh, the, the website is uh, markbullock.substack.com, uh, and you can go there and you can... Um, there, a lot of articles have a, a free preview for uh, of the first sort of section of it um, to see kind of what the stuff is about. Um, and, and then you can sign up for either $5 a month or um, if you want to pay for a year's worth of subscription, you can get $50 for a year, a little bit discounted. Um, and, and you can sign up and then, and then as you said, you, you get every post as soon as it goes live, uh, emailed to straight to your inbox. Awesome. Mark, thank you so much. Uh, I have wanted to have you on the show for a while. You did not disappoint. I hope we can have you on again uh, because uh, this is this has been absolutely fascinating. I appreciate it. Yeah, of course. Anytime. And we will be getting Mark back on uh, before the season's over. I guarantee you that. All right, Mick of the Clock on the Wall say it's time to get out of here. Uh, thanks to Mark Bullock, our guest today. Also, don't forget the Hockey Podcast Network's YouTube page tonight after the game, our five takeaways, and we'll meet you back here tomorrow and discuss what went down with the Sabres. Have a good one, kids. Enjoy the game tonight. Remember, like the wise man once said, if you're out on your bike tonight, as always, do wear white. <laughs>